If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 236. This is our 2022 Cadence Bank Houston Open and Ned Bank Challenge Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews. We've got two previews this week for both events. We've got Houston Open Strokes Gained Analysis. That is from Memorial Park, well worth looking at. Tournament form stats. We've got combination course and current form stats. Very useful, the two together. And of course, don't forget our PGA Tour. I'm going to reference those when we go through the Houston Open and DP World Tour Prediction Optimizer models. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge. There is no paywall. We must be completely mad. Paul is on Twitter. He is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Plus, you can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Right. You guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. These five-star reviews, both on Apple and Spotify are so, so important for the health of a podcast. So please keep them coming, chaps and lasses. Right, this one is titled, Come for the Post-it Notes, Stay for the Agronomy. Five stars. I'd left a five-star review a couple of years ago, but wanted to update. I just won a FanDuel DFS tournament, thanks in part to Steve's effusive praise of young Tom Kim. He doesn't mean Bob Kim, he means Tom Kim. (laughs) I am ever grateful to Steve, Paul and Barry for their sage advice and amazing website. Hearing their dulcet tones is still the very best. And that is from Abject Scrabble Junkie. And he is in the US of A. Thank you for your time, Abject. Lovely stuff. Always good to hear success stories. So uh, <clears throat> if someone's uh, managed to snare a, a big prize on one of the fantasy uh, golf competitions, that's even better. So uh, so yeah, well done on your win and many thanks for for the review. Much appreciated. It's very jealousy inducing to hear about the wins, but also mm. good to know if we had any sort of input, good or bad, towards us or any sort of help. It's uh, It's cool. Absolutely. You still playing DraftKings, the two of you? Yeah, yeah, badly. Yeah, not when the, not when the right mood takes me. Joy, but 
Sorry, Berger. Sorry, no, no. Just uh, it's GK. It's just tough when you're not piling in a bunch of teams. You know, if you're only giving yourself a couple of bullets, but it's mm. like there's that kind of gap in the middle between throwing in one team to a few events or just like putting in a, a whole load of them. Um, I just don't. I, I, I go with a single bullet or something like that and just see what happens. It's more for fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of professional players, aren't there, who, who mop up a lot of the money with uh, multiple teams. But you, you can get lucky with a with a single dart if you can get get things uh, get things right for one week. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 relatively slow this time of year all round, isn't it? With the, the with both the the betting and the uh, the, the DraftKings or the, the fantasy golf side. So um, be warming up again for the start of next season. You only get the hardcore this time of year, don't you? Mm, yeah. I'll tell you what, you only got the hardcore last week backing Russell Henley at 55-1 to 1 to win the Mike over. Yes. Yes. Did, did it with some ease as well, but that's the only way that Russell Henley's going to win a tournament, I think, to be like 30 shots clear come on Sunday. Yeah, it's a bit Jordan Smith-esque for the first three rounds, wasn't it? Bogey-free and... Uh... Yeah, and looked unassailable. In the end, it was relatively straightforward, wasn't it? But it's, um, yeah, you know, we we talk about Russell Henley and not getting over the line, but that's his fourth win now, so um, he can do it. But I think you said first win for four, five and a half years. Five and a half years. Hmm. Wasn't exactly leaping off the page to me when I looked last week, I must say. Yeah, there were there were a few bits there. He did. He did have a top ten score in one of the rounds at the CJ Cup. His uh, ball striking was very good, and his and his total accuracy. We, he actually appeared on some of my analysis, but clearly it's Russell Henley. So I soon glossed over that one and m- moved 55. on to Emiliano Grio instead at thirty five to one. Yeah, fifty five to one. I mean, looking just at his raw numbers last week, you'd have probably needed nearly double that to make a. Yeah, you know, to take a punt on it. Well, I would have at least. But I, I, I saw a few slips, but nothing. You know, there, there weren't. A, there wasn't a stack no. of people on social media on him last week. So one for the bookies last week overall. The one, the one that beat me up that I should have been on was um, Joel Damon, which I know uh, Barry was on. He was, he was obvious and hitting the ball nicely. He had a top finish there already. So uh, I'm on him this week. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Just back to Russell Henley. His three wins, his four wins, one on past Barlam now, and we've got three other wins on Bermuda. So he's won at Houston, the old Houston course. He's won PGA National where they play the Honda Classic and the Sony Open. So very, 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 very Bermuda positive golfer, Russell Henn. There you go. No, I've I've got very little to say about last week. It was a complete and utter disaster for me. But then I kind of half expected it because I've been having quite a few contending performances. So you do get some washouts. Yeah, you're going to get that. And, you know, Henley was so far ahead going into the final round. It was almost <clears throat> almost like it, you know, a non-event in that respect. Oh, I lost all interest in watching any of it once it um, mm. panned out like that. I need to remember, every time I back Billy Horshaw, he does absolutely jack. I need to get that in my mind. But to be fair, I was caught in exactly the same uh, spot as Steve Palmer for the racing post because he was on Griot, he was on Horshaw. 
and he's on his old favourite Aaron Wise. I expect he's on Aaron Wise again this week, so um, that'll be interesting. But um, yeah, they, these players just disappoint Horshaw every time I back him. I, I always back him with enthusiasm, and then like, apart from Wentworth last year when he did win. I get a lot of forty fifths, fifty fifths miscuts with Billy Horshaw when I'm on him. Yeah, which doesn't help when he's at eighteen to one. No, no, <laughs> and he can he can win, he can and does win, but it's yeah, there's never with it, me it's, on him. It, it's not a string of, you know, I, I don't know. In the past, we've seen him go, you know, back to back good contending weeks or back to back wins in the past, haven't we? But it seems a little bit more erratic now with these results, as you say. It does take me, though, to a situation where someone like Billy Horshaw, he's playing the Mayakoba. What really is making him tick going into that tournament? Mm. And again, Russell Henley last week, 59th in the world. Gets the win, all of a sudden, up to the mid-30s in the world rankings, playing the Century Tournament of Champions on you know the first, uh, the first 2023 event. And... Gets a Masters invite pre Christmas. Yeah, it's it's just it's just trying to link dots together, isn't it? We kept talking about Alex Noren last week. Still, don't think he's worth looking at on something like Pass Barlam. I think he's more of a look for this week, actually, where the course is going to be tough, hard, firm. That's Alex Noren ter- territory. Yeah, if it was on Bengrass, if it was on Bengrass, yeah, but. Um, it's these players in the world rankings. These players above 50th in the world rankings, and it's come through time and time again recently. A lot of, lot of players, Seamus Power being another one recently, who's got himself, he's up to 29th in the world now, Seamus. Mm. No, pushing, severely pushing the door now for Ryder Cup inclusion for next year. If he, if he has a reasonable start to next year, he's in a very, very good spot to actually go up. If you're just looking at world rankings for now, Noren, 50th, English, 51st, Mackenzie Hughes, 52nd. Mackenzie Hughes did win the other week, though, so he will have an invite to the Century Tournament of Champions. We'll be going to the Masters. So all of a sudden, top 50 doesn't feel as important to Mackenzie Hughes. He's going yeah. to the Masters anyway. So Heath Tegala at 53, he, he, he went to the Tour Championship, so he's got his exemptions to the majors for, uh, for next year. And then you're moving down to the likes of Lucas Herbert, who I'm going to be tempted to tip up in yours, just purely for his world ranking. Yeah, yeah. Dean Bermester we mentioned last week. He's at 58. Adrian Moronk at 59. Minwoo Lee at 60. I won't keep going, but they're, they're the players that are on the fringes of the world's top 50. Big, big carrots available for all of those with a big contending performance before the end of the season. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of the live guys, they're drifting down the charts. You know, while these guys are going up, they're they're yeah. slowly drifting down, aren't they? So it may not take the kind of performance or the kind of points that you would have needed in the past to to elevate yourself um, kind of dramatically up that uh, up that list. So yeah, as you say, a big carrot for a few of these guys to to have a decent end to to twenty twenty two. Good example, Henley fifty ninth. Jumps all the way up to thirty third. Mm. That's a that's a considerable jump. Like you say, you know, he's now ranking above Dustin Johnson in the world rankings. 
Yeah. It does. It does. It's, uh, we, we won't go down this route, but it just does make a mockery mockery of what's going on in world golf at the moment. Two cracking tournaments this week. Decent fields. Um, I think we, let's mix this up. Uh, let's go with the Ned Bank first this week. Uh, the second last event of this season on the DP World Tour. Uh, they. It's called South Africa's Major, and it's a reasonably strong field headed this week by Tommy Fleetwood, mm. who is defending the title he won in 2019. Indeed. So uh, <coughs> yeah, let's just, go through it. Let's go through the Nick Bank Challenge, Paul. Yeah, as you say, just the two events now, isn't it? And the, the DP World Tour have announced um, just the six events after the DP World Tour Championship before Christmas. Um Either well, they're co-sanctioned ones, either in South Africa or Australia, so they're going to be extremely low-key events by the looks of it. But um, for the diehards out there, there's uh, there's some interest for the uh, for the latter end of 2022. But for all intents and purposes, the the main season finishes next week. Um, this week and next, both limited fields. We've got the top 60 available in the Race to Dubai rankings this week. Um, plus a handful of invites. Um, the top 50 available then go through to next week's finale at the Earth Course for the DP World Tour Championship. So there will be a little bit of jostling for um, for positions, particularly for those guys on and around the bubble, um, on and around 50th place. I expect, I expect it will extend down to mid-50s thereabouts. Hmm. Um, but even so, some of the guys outside of that will be uh, trying their damnedest to get themselves um, as high as possible in the rankings. I'm just looking at those standings, Paul. Sharma mm. at 50. Tapio Polkanen boosted himself up to 51st. So that, that's looking pretty solid to get in. Yep. David Law at 52nd. And then we've got Waring, 53. Adam Scott, clearly that, that isn't a uh, problem. He's not playing. Xander Lombard at 55. Soderberg at 56. Molinari at 57. Calais Samuya, 58. And Thomas Dietrich at number 60. Mm. With Lucas Herbert at 63. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few guys with, with a bit to play for this week. A few of the fancied guys as well. You talk about Detri. He's one of the players near the top of the market. Um, Fleetwood heads the betting this week at, well, there's a little bit of 10 to 1. We're recording this 8 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday over here in the UK. Um, I expect he'll go off um, 9 to 1, maybe just a little shorter in some places. As you said, Steve, he's effectively the defending champion. The last time we played this was 2019, the Ned Bank. Um, the cancellations due to COVID since have meant that we've uh, had a bit of a belated defence from Tommy. But he's here this week to defend um, and the favourite to do so as well. Jordan Smith, 14 to 1. Of course, Jordan lapped the field at the uh, Portugal Masters with that absolute masterclass a couple of weeks back. Thomas Detry, he's been playing some nice stuff, hasn't he, over on the PGA Tour. Uh, can't deny that. Mm. 16 to 1. Um, if he can get himself over the line. He's locked he, up know. his PGA Tour card already. Yeah. That's how well he's playing. Well, he can play with some Fantastic, freedom. fantastic. We, we mentioned it last week. He's just play, been playing some outstanding stuff in the States. Mm. 
Just needs to get that win, doesn't he? Um, mm. Ryan Fox, 20 to 1. Uh, Bob McIntyre, 20 to 1. Rasmus Hogard, 22s. Christian Bazwinut, 22 to 1. Minru Lee, 25s. Brandon Grace, 28 to 1. Lucas Herbert, you mentioned, 28 to 1 also. Antoine Rosner, same price, 28 to 1. 33 to 1 bar those 10 or so players I've just read through. It is a short field, as I said, no cut. Most of the bookies this week are back to bog standard five or six places each way, five and a quarter, six and a fifth typically. Bet365 do have their each way extra proposition running. They do have an eight each way, one fifth of the odds market um, this week. So do check them out. The prices are just below the headline market prices in general. But with a 60, what, 65, 66 man fill, whatever it ended up being, um, eight places each way is a fairly strong proposition uh, for this week. So do check them out. Um in terms of the course, as ever, we're playing at the Gary Player Country Club at Sun City. Now, the Ned Bank has been around for a number of years on the Sunshine Tour. Steve, you described it as the uh, South African Major, which we had back in the day, it used to be very limited. It was a 12-man field and it yeah. big bucks for the... Uh, Big bucks for the players who attended. Um, it's morphed a little bit over the years, up to a 30-man field, up to 78. And the last couple of renewals, this and the one in 2019, it's been mid-60s or thereabouts. So we do have plenty of course history. You can check that out on the um, on the website this week. We've also got the 2020 and the 2021 South African Open that was held here at Sun City on the Gary Player. So there are additional, and we've just effectively added them onto the stats this week. There's some additional um, results from more recent times since the last Nedbank to peruse as well. Um, there's also a number in, at Sun City, um, the Sun City estate with both the Gary Player and the Lost City course are used quite extensively on a lot of the smaller Sunshine Tour events over the over the course of the season. So there's typically two or three smaller events held there as well. So if you're so inclined, there's plenty of data to um, to pour over, plenty of results to look into this week. The ones that are going to be relevant for us, of course, most likely going to be the Ned Bank results up to 2019 and, of course, those two South African Open uh, results from 2020 and 2021. Uh, the course itself, Gary Player course, 7,834 7, yard past 72. It's played at altitude, so that does bring that yardage down. It, it sounds like an absolute brute when you look at it on paper, and it is a very long course, but the yardage uh, or the altitude will bring that down to, I don't know, let's call it 7273. Um, that's in normal conditions. It is likely, looking at the forecast, there was a lot of thunderstorms forecast for yesterday. There's more thunder and lightning forecast from Friday onwards. So um, any rain that falls, it's going to soften the fairways. That's going to make it play longer. So even with the altitude, I still suspect that this course is going to play quite long this week. And particularly when you've got fairly thin fairways. So if you're missing fairways, your approach shots are going to be really quite uh, quite challenging. Um, thick, rough, trees and bushes, um, at the flank of the fairways. So uh, it can be quite a, quite a tricky course. Slick bent grass greens. It certainly is no pushover um, in anything but perfect conditions. 
Going back to 2013, 2013 winner was Thomas Bjorn, 30 to 1. Danny Willett won the year after, 25 to 1. Mark Leishman, 66 to 1 in 2015 for Leishman. Uh, Alex Noren won in 2016 at 20 to 1. Brandon Grace, 16 to 1 in 2017. Um, and then two more typical, I guess, players that you might expect to perform well at the Ned Bank, given the dimensions of the course. Lee Westwood, 40 to 1 in 2018. Tommy Fleetwood, as we've mentioned, 14 to 1 in 2019. Now, if you look back at the wins from Bjorn and Willett and Leishman, they were between 18 and 20 under par. So nice, uh, relatively receptive conditions, not much wind, um, sunny, sunny conditions those those years. Grace was 11 under when he won fleet with 12 under. If it gets a little bit tricky, it can be you know a little bit of wind or if it's um, it's more difficult from tea to green, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a pushover, particularly when you consider a lot of the scorings done in the par fives. Um, if, you, if you're making most of your score in the par fives, then the rest of the course, you're pretty much hanging on trying to make par on the par threes and par fours. So um, it can be quite challenging. I mean, put that into context as well. Jim Furyk, back in the days of the kind of pre-European tours, it was at time events. Um, Jim Furyk's won around here twice. Um, and you know, any course that Jim wins on suggests that it's uh, it can present a bit of a challenge. And more recently, Danny Van Tonder, he won at 16 under one. Uh, 16 under at in 2021 and Christian Bezwedenhut won at 18 under in 2020 those two South African Opens that I mentioned so that's kind of a flavour I suspect this week we might get somewhere 15 under might be if I was to put my put my neck on the line and give us a winning score I'd suggest somewhere in that kind of uh, that kind of region I think now you have got some stats from this week or from previous events to, to peruse. All round stats tend to be um, the way to look at this. I know it doesn't really help, but uh, uh, if you're playing well in all aspects of your game, um, any to pick out particularly greens and regulation um, from a traditional sense, putts per green and regulation um, are, are the, the two that kind of shine through there. Um, we do have a little bit of strokes gain data. It's really patchy. Um, so we've not included it in the uh, the summaries this week in terms of stats because it is that patchy. Um, but we do have data for Tommy Fleetwood's um, win back in 2019. He was first for strokes gain tee to green, first for strokes gain off the tee, seventh strokes gain approach. That's typical Tommy when he's playing his best golf. Uh, Christian Bezwaden, who he was second for strokes gained tee to green, first for strokes gained approach when he won the South African Open in 2020. So both instances, it was the long game. The consistent, consistent stat there, strokes gained tee to green. So if you've got to pluck one stat out for this week, that'd probably be where I would go personally. Um each winner here since 2013, they had a top 20 finish in one of the three starts. So a little bit of uh, form is a good starting point. Course form, not really a prerequisite by the looks of it. Thomas Bjorn, Willett, Leishman, uh, Noren, all of them were debutants when they arrived here. So the experience of playing the course, not absolutely essential. I mean, you can balance that a little bit with Grace and Westwood and Fleetwood, who all had top 10 finishes here, but... I wouldn't get overly hung up personally on whether a player's had um, a decent finish here in the past or or not. Um, doesn't seem to be an absolute prerequisite. Um, 
Balling it all down, I've backed four players this week. I, I took a good look at the top of the market. I, you, you can't ignore Tommy Fleetwood because the course is absolutely made for him. Um, he opened at 11 to 1 yesterday. He's been backed into 10s. He'd be, he'd be going off, as I said, shorter than that, 9 to 1. Um, Tommy playing his best goal from tee to green would be very difficult to leave out. And he's fourth last time out at the CJ Cup, wasn't it? Um it was the putter that really did the damage there. And I think if I'd have seen a real spark of form with the, um, the Tommy's long clubs at, uh, on his last start, perhaps I'd have taken a chance on him this week. But um, when it's the putter that's doing the damage for Tommy, that's not always as sure to happen. So, yeah, I, I, at the price enough, I could leave him alone. In fact, I, I left all of the top of the market alone. The first player, and this is the guy, he was first on my list. I really fancied him from the back end of last week and um, reasonably pleased with the price. He opened at 50 to 1 yesterday. He's been backed in a bit. There's some 40 to 1 out there um, available um, right now. That's a Thriston Lawrence. Now, Lawrence, twice a DP World Tour winner in the last year. Um, so he's got that winning bug, hasn't he? We talked about world ranking, 89th in the world. Now, with these live guys dropping down the rankings, 89th, and with this addition of some uh, extra events at the back end of 2022, if Lawrence can play well this week and or next week, mm. um, he could put himself right on the cusp of a top 50 um, position, I think. Now, if you're picking one of the two events um, this week or next that would suit him better, this week, absolutely right up his alley, I think. For the season, 25th for strokes gain tee to green, and that's with quite a few miscuts in there as well. He's been he's been quite erratic for all of the good stuff that's been played. And when he's played well, he's tended to be that strokes gain tee to green that's really shone through in his data. Uh, one at Cran-Sorcier at the back end of um, August, that was at altitude. Um, a little bit inconsistent since, since uh, hence the price we're getting this week, but... 20th at the Golf National, again, some good tee to green stats. Sixth at Valderrama on his last start. Fourth for strokes gained tee to green that week. It all seems to be adding up to me. Uh, won the Joburg Open. Remember the Joburg last year. It was the one that was cut down to two um, rounds in the end due to the COVID concerns at the time. That was at altitude, though. Still needed to put two good rounds together, which he did. Uh, 19th here last year at the South African Open. That was after an opening round of 74. He recovered, got himself up into semi-contention, ninth going into Sunday and then kind of trod water from there. But even so, shows a um, an aptitude to play the course. Um, he's also got a smattering of Sunshine Tour events here at Sun City or the Sun City Estate over the years as well with, with, with a few decent enough finishes to suggest that he's a punt um, at that kind of 40 to 1 uh, bracket or thereabouts. He is being backed quite heavily. There's been I've sent a few tips from this week as, alongside mine. So if you fancy a bit of Thriston this week, then um, I would get in sooner rather than later to secure that price personally. So Thriston's in. Um, I've also backed Callum Shinkwin, another one that's been nibbled a little bit since um, yesterday's first show. 60 to 1 early on, 50 to 1 available right now. Now, a long course, um, wet weather's possible. Strokes going off the tee could be an equally critical 
stat this week and Shinkwin that's what he's all about it's hitting those drives long and relatively straight getting himself in position to attack courses fourth four strokes gained off the tee for the season um, those stats don't lie when we're in the early part of November two wins now he won Cyprus um, in 2020 that was early in November as well so for those of you who like your biorhythm um, links that's a good one to pluck um, out Celtic Manor he won earlier this year in the summer um, he won that by four shots that was a 12 under total Celtic Manor played tough um, 12 under he won by four again looking for someone who can handle a relatively con- uh, a, a tricky test relatively tricky assignment is um, uh, you know that's that that gives us evidence that he can do exactly that more recently, second at the Dunhill Links, 37th last time out of Valderrama. Not so good in terms of the headline finish, but sixth for strokes gain approach, um, coupled with, you know, we know how good he is from off the tee as well. 29th here back in 2017. Um, that's his only form on this particular track, but he missed three of his previous five cuts, wasn't playing as well as he is now. And you remember back to 2017, that was the year that he'd lost that playoff to Rafa Cabrera Bayo at the Scottish Open. And um, it took him quite a while to get his head around that. And um, you know, a number of the events he was turning up to uh, just didn't look quite right. So for him to finish 29th here, um, that was reasonably good. Twice a winner since that point, playing much, much better golf now. Um, I think Callum Shinkwin can have a decent week here at the Nedbank. Um same kind of price, Hurley Long, fifty-five to one. I I couldn't leave Long out. Looking at his um his form of late, he started twenty twenty-two really well. Third at Ras Al Khaimah, second at the Kenya Open. Uh, don't forget Kenya has um some altitude to contend with as well. So a fair pointer for events like this. Uh, sixth at the British Masters, more recently ninth in Mallorca and fifth last time out at the Portugal Masters. So he's coming into this. Off back, off the back of form of ninth, fifth. Um, looking at those um, two events as well that were held over on the PGA Tour, um, those co-sanctioned events, fourth at the Barbasol, seventh at the Barracuda. And again, the Barracuda, another one that's held at altitude. It's around about 6,000 feet of elevation there. So again, again another interesting indicator that he can handle the conditions here it is his debut um, but the course should suit him nicely I think 10th for strokes game tee to green last time out of Villamora um, so his long game's in a decent enough place in my view for him to contend um, so long's the third one the fourth one this week fourth and final is Oliver Becker 70 to 1 I've backed Becker at seven sunshine, sunshine tour wins now Another one, like Hurley Long, who started the year really strongly. Eight top 11 finishes in 10 starts he had to start the year. Um, you remember, he went along to live not long after that. He played the Centurion event, finished sixth, which is uh, it's, it's no bad uh, no bad effort, um, and hasn't been back since. So he's one of the guys who was a, a one-hit wonder for the live. Um, <laughs> That's why he played setup. so well at the Centurion. Pocketed <laughs> a couple of mil. Yeah, disappeared. He knew he was on, he was on, one, he was on a one-event one contract. Yeah, do well. Yeah, make make your money and uh, <laughs> off your toddle. Um, yeah. So yeah, with that all of that money weighing him down, the form dropped off a little bit. But he started to pull it back since ninth at the Italian Open, and um, third on the Sunshine Tour the week before last. That was his best finish since. Um, so he's knocked the rust off a little bit. Got himself back into uh, contending form on the Sunshine Tour on home soil. 
Um, it's got a great record here at Sun City as well. I mean, as I said, they've played a number of events um, either here or at Lost City or some of the events you'll look at historically are a combination of both um, courses. They, they would have played a little rotor between the two courses, so do bear that in mind. But it's got a great record overall at this Sun City estate. Five top 14 finishes as well as um, a 2016 win at the Sun City Challenge. Uh, 20th here as well at the South African Open in 2020, then second here last year behind Danny Van Tonder at the South African Open. Um, it all seems to add up to me with Oliver Becker. I think he's uh, he's a good price, a good punt at 70, 70 to 1 in my view. And then my four, Oliver Becker, Long, Shinquin and uh, Thriston Lawrence at the top. All kind of juicy mid-prices this week for me. Anyone you fancy, Barry? I like I like your wheelhouse of where you're at, um, and I couldn't I couldn't resist following you in on Lawrence and um, oh my god it's gone there <laughs> Lawrence just popped out to me as well even mm-hmm. after, you know, after reading your tip and having a look through just yeah it was, made a lot of sense um, and Hurley Long I've ju- yep. I've, I, I've I've jumped in on that too it's. It it sets up nice this week for the each way extra market on bet three six five. I know it sounds like I harp on it each week, but I I do like that kind of extra the extra places. You know, if I can grab back um, just that place money for the week, that's a win. And in a very short fields, like let's say I've taken the ten places with these guys, um, mm. even though it's one seventy odds, if I can just claw back a bit of stake and a little bit of profit on that bet, happy days. So. Um, I'm liking where how that kind of syncs up this week, and the other one I've gone for who I was talking about um, for his performance a couple of weeks ago when he lost to Jordan Smith was Gavin Green. Just loved how he was gung ho. It's it was win or bust really for him, and I'm kind of just banking on the fact that he's gonna keep keep up that kind of attitude and go for it here. So I've taken him as well. Nice prices like Tristan Lawrence forty to one, Gavin Green forty five to one, Hurley Long forty five to one on that uh, those markets. So that's me. Yeah, no, I, I did have a good look at uh, Gavin Green. <laughs> the, the, the only thing, and I guess you're plucking, you know, trying to pluck a, a reason not to back a player out. I, I, I looked at all of his rounds at uh, Sun City, and he hasn't broken seventy, which um, I think. Could be an For issue. me, that was enough to put me <laughs> off. Yeah, I, and that, you know, this week he could go out there and shoot sixty-three in the first round and, and put himself in a great position. Given how he's playing at Portugal, um, you know, who knows? Um, I, I was very, very close. So, uh, I, in a way, Barry, I wish you the best of luck with that. But I, I sincerely hope that he's not up there because I'll be gutted. <laughs> Another more accurate way you want him to miss the cut. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's not he's not missing missing the cut this week, but uh, yeah, even, even so, we'll uh, we'll see. But uh, what about you, Steve? Be all, will it? Leishman, Alex Noren, Ben Grass, Brandon Grace, Lee Westwood, Tommy Flew. That's that's a winners list right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You got some decent names, so I'm looking for names that are in dire need of result, who could come here and fit in with that kind of winners list. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm talking winner. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not going down the each way route here. I'm looking for the winner this week. So I am going for 
You got to say Thomas Dietrich's playing some right, right good golf, but I'm not backing him at fourteen to one. The player that jumped out to me, Christian Bzaidenhout, playing some decent enough stuff in the states. Twelfth at the BMW. I mean that was a loaded field over in Delaware. Twentieth at the Shriners. Good field. Top 30 at the Zozo. And then he goes home. We'll forget about the 65th at the CJ Cup. But goes home. Back in South Africa. The form's half decent. And we just know with Bezayden Hoot that he clearly gets on well with this golf course. Although it doesn't yeah. show on the Nedbank, does it? it was, it's the two events post that. Well, yeah. Here. 20... Was it the South African one, Open he won here in 2020? Or Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, a, and he won by five as well, five clear shots. So um, he really did take yeah. the course that so way. His, so his form on this course is 24th, 1st and 6th, and I'm getting him at 20 to 1. Mm. I'll take that. So Christian Bezadenhout for me, back on his beloved Ben Grass. I think that's half the trouble, you know, with the, with the way that he, he relatively hasn't really flown that high on the PGA Tour. I think the courses are too long and a lot of the schedule is all on Bermuda grass. Yeah. And he is clearly, like most South Africans, very bent grass positive. Yeah, sometimes it takes a while for them to Difficult. get their head around the different strains. His game is slightly too short and slightly too erratic for the PGA Tour to be really effective over there. And, you know, it doesn't surprise you that his best result ever on the PGA Tour is second this year at the John Deere Classic, short, bent grass, yep. low scoring, mm-hmm. tree-lined. So I think it would go well this week, Christian Bezayden, who? Um Just purely for the need to do well, I'm going to go with Lucas Herbert. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he needs a result for his world ranking. He needs a result to get to the race to Dubai. So there's two big, big reasons for Lucas Herbert to go well this this week. 55th in the world, and he's currently, I'm scanning up, he's 60-something on the, he's 63rd on the race to Dubai rankings. Yeah. So purely on that basis, I'd have been all, I'd have been probably all over Dean Bermester this week, but he's staying on the PGA Tour, which I found interesting. So um, I'm on Herbert, I'm on Bezadenhout, and I just can't resist. I'm sorry, guys, I'm a sucker. I'm an absolute sucker. I'm going to go for gorgeous George Coatesy, 33-1. to one. <laughs> Hey, he won on the Sunshine Tour last week. He won the, P- the South African PGA Championship last week. Yep. Barely hit a green, that doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> um, and yeah... George Coetzee, 67th currently in the race to Dubai standings, has a great week this week, all of a sudden gets himself over to the DP World Tour Championship. And we've seen with Coetzee in the past, gets a win, can then go back-to-back wins and certainly can go back-to-back after a win contending performances. So, yeah, George, gorgeous George Coetzee. I just couldn't resist at 33-1. to yeah, yeah, he's back Those on my, my post-it note, but but uh, I, I yeah. thought for a second. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. I know I was saying he, he was back on my post-it note after the last time I backed him, but that's um, each for the own. I, I kind of just stay away from George, but just enjoy watching the roller coaster. 
mm. after being burned a few times over the years and missing him by a week and, and whatnot. So I thought Steve was going to jump in and uh, pick up the Ross Fisher slack that you left there, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, le- I'm, I'm leaving Ross way behind. Oh, Saying that, though, he's got a great, great record in South Africa. And again, yeah. he's in dire need of a decent finish. If you look at a player who... Um, 69th fits- in the race to Dubai, Ross Fisher. Yeah. If you, if you look at Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood, Ross Fisher in terms of game style, then yeah, you, mm. you, could, you could put two and two together quite readily. Um, yeah, it could go well. It, on the basis I backed him last time that he played, yeah, I expect, um, I expect he will go well. We'll see. That's that, I think. I might, have a, I might have a couple of quid each way on Ross as well. <laughs> You've squeezed me into Ross Fish. I can't believe Steve, I'm doing it. Steve would do it on There's the one slide. place in the world he seems to actually have a mentality where he can hang around at the top of the lead board. It tends to be in South Africa. So good vibes and all that. I wonder what the connection right. is. Is it just eating steak and wine all week? Or? Who knows? He almost run me over once. That's a different story. <laughs> I shouldn't really have walked out in front of his car, should I, Paul? No, I don't know. That's, that, that's probably the... Uh, that didn't really help. Probably the trick. Cadence Bank Houston Open on the PGA Tour. I love this event. They've moved it to Memorial Park, which is a proper golf course. This is a this is an event and a golf course that Barry O'Hanrahan will really like. 7,412 yards, par 70. And it's tough. It's ranked 8th and ninth in terms of difficulty on the PGA Tour the last the, the, the two times they played it. And don't forget, those numbers include major venues. So it's probably in the top, well, it is, it's in the top six hardest PGA Tour venues of the, of the season. And why is that? Well, it's a damn hard golf course. It's long. It's got raised greens with you know shaved edges around them, so that the ball trickles down 25, 30 foot. If you if you if you hit the wrong part of a green complex, it can just roll away. And amazingly enough, on the PGA Tour, they don't tend to water the greens, so the greens release. It's like heaven to a lot of us. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this event. I, it's 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 a proper golf course, and bigger names tend to come to the top. It's completely 180 degrees different to what we saw last week at the Mike Ober, which was basically lift, clean, and play. So away you go, boys. Mm. Just aim for flags. If you do that this week, you're going to get eaten alive because this golf course deserves respect. It's a Tom Doak renovation and Brooks Kepka got involved with the renovation as well. So you can see it's a proper, stern, major championship golf test. And that to me brings players into the mix uh, that you can get involved with this week. I mean, I, I tipped up Jason Kokrag last week at this, uh, last year at 55 to 1. Or, sorry, 50 to 1, I think it was. Purely on the basis that coke rag long off the tee and can grind and he has a history or he had a history on the PJ Tour of grinding at courses yeah. like Riviera Country Club Copperhead proper tough assignments 
Jason Kokrag would often elevate himself. Oh, Bay Hill, of course, would, would start to come to the top of leaderboards. So that's exactly where I'm at this week. Uh, Agronomy-wise, uh, 419 Bermuda Grass Fairways, 419 Bermuda Grass Rough. They've actually upped the rough length this year from two and a quarter to two and a half inches. And I'm reading plenty of player quotes saying, if you're in the rough here, you just you're basically bunting it towards the greens and praying that it will hold because you've lost control of your ball and the ball will not stop on these releasing greens. Uh, That's good to see. So if you can get total drivers, drivers that are long and drivers that aren't um, completely at right angles off the tee more often than they're not, um, I think you've got a half chance here. Um, it doesn't feel like a Cameron Champ kind of course where he's so indiscriminate off the tee. I don't think you're going to get away with it around here. You, you, you're not going to get away with it across 72 holes. There's going to be too many doubles and maybe triples that will destroy your card yeah. eventually. I think you've got to have the mix. And that's what I've looked at. I've, I've looked in my analysis... Um, and it worked last year, and it worked... Um, I mean, Carlos Ortiz put me onto this. Carlos Ortiz won here the first time they played. Uh, he was 130 to 1, I believe. Uh, and Kokrag last year uh, was 50 to 1. So, yeah, Ortiz was 160s, Kokrag 50 to 1. Uh, Lanto Griffin, he played... Also in this autumn, because the Houston Open used to be the week before the Masters, it then moved to autumn. So since it's moved to autumn, we've had 50 to 1, 160 to 1, and 60 to 1 winners of this tournament. Doesn't scream Scotty Scheffler at 11 to 2. And I know Scotty's got all these reasons to win. He's a Texan. Goes well in Texas, could become world number one again if he, you know, if he wins, blah 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 blah. But it just doesn't at, the, at this point. It doesn't feel like a Scotty Scheffler eleven to two victory. Um, clearly, trends and narratives change. I tell you what I did. I'm going to highlight this. Um, I don't think our predictor models get far enough traction on our podcast. I just, we've got a firm golf course variable. It rolls for five years, and I think at events like this, it's really fascinating just to look at the names that appear towards the top of that variable. Because um, apparently, there was very, very little rain in Houston. Uh, The area had a very dry summer and early autumn, with no rain recorded from August until the end of October. There's been a little bit of rain around, but I, I just don't think there's going to be much cut in the in the fairways, and the, clearly they'll prep the green, so you know, they're not going to be lightning, lightning, lightning quick on Thursday, but they, they don't seem afraid here to let those greens release out. So I just want to look, who plays well? on firm assignments on the PGA Tour. And you don't get to see them that often. That's the point. So I'm just throwing some names out. Here's the top uh, the top 12. I've got Hadwin, Joel Damon, 
uh, Sebastian Munoz. Francesco Molinari is an interesting name. I didn't tip him up. I think he deserves some respect this week, Molinari, because he was very, very prominent on the leaderboard after two days at the Mayakoba. Fell away. Fell away terribly. But something's percolating with Francesco, and we know... Ryder Cup year in Italy. That guy is going to be super, super focused. This long, tough golf course will suit Francesco Molinari. Yeah, uh, we've got Luke List. Pardon? So, yeah, if it's fast greens as well, then that's yeah. uh, right up Francesco's Suits It suits there. him, doesn't it? Mm. Top eight, Tony Finau, Maverick McNeely, Alex Noren, and we know he's in dire need. He's clinging at 50th in the world. He does play DP World Tour Championship next week, though. Then we've got Denny McCarthy, Sam Burns, Hideki Matsuama, Justin Rose, and that's really living off results way back in that five-year cycle. And number one, Jason Day. So that, statistically, is just a, a feel for players that play well on firm, fast golf courses. Uh I'll put a link in the description, of course, to the PGA Tour model this week. So you can just have a play with it completely free of charge. That's where I'm at then. So a tough... I've actually put this down as a technical golf course this week. So I think potentially something around the 10 under, 11 under mark, or even higher in terms of scoring, could be single digit wins this. Because there's 15 to 20 mile an hour winds forecast across the whole tournament on a golf course that's punishing, long and likely to play firm and fast. Should be a cracker. Mm. I've gone for four. First thing to say, I am on the Seb Strucker train. I managed to get the world number 27. Have I got that number right? Let's have a quick check. Yeah, the world number 27. First, first show I saw, I can't remember who it was, but I saw somebody at 100 to 1 on Seb Stracker. Now, I just can't, I can't work out how the world number 27 can be a 100 to 1 chance in this field. Yeah. Can you? No, no, everything that we've discussed, I've, you know, I know Barry picked up a lovely win on him earlier in the year, and um, we've he all backed him a fair amount recently, particularly on Bermuda grass greens, and he just isn't getting the respect in the market, is he? As you say, hundred to one early doors, uh, there was ninety to one available with um, eight places as well um, early on as well. It was, yeah, I. I couldn't ignore it. I know you couldn't ignore it. I'm, I don't know about Barry. Did you get a bit of sep, Barry, or have you not on him? Oh, I can't resist that. It's just <laughs> such a it's such a mismatch. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't quite get my head around why do they not like the guy? Do what is it about Seb Stracker, his world ranking, his form, and a hundred to one on a golf course where he's finished fourth already? Yep. Or was it? He was fourth or fifth. It, it just makes no sense to me. Fifth, yeah. I'm just, I'm just reading through his numbers so far this season. Forty fifth for greens in reg, thirty first for driving accuracy, top eighty five for driving distance all drives last season, and thirty second so far this year for ball striking. And we just know with Sep, Bermuda grass is where it's at. 
He's just so, so Bermuda grass positive. It's unbelievable. And he's won this year on the PGA Tour at the Honda Classic with a single-digit winning score. So he can grind. Doesn't mind a grind whatsoever. So, yeah, I, I, I was just... I'm, I'm having that. Take that. Second at St. Jude at, at, at a... you know That was a major championship quality field. Sixth for 72-hole scoring at the Tour Championship and second when we were on him at the Sanderson Farms. That's that's three of his last four outings on Bermuda Grass. So I'll take the 90 to 1. Yep. I'm with you. Anyone else at bigger prices? Because my next shortest is 50 to 1. So have you guys got triple digit prices or something around that 50 and above um, level that you can throw out there to the listeners? Yeah, I've, I've only backed two. One of them was Sepp Stracker. The other one... Um, and you talked about long course, tough course, long and straight um, certainly isn't a bad place to start with this. Um, I've backed Davis Thompson. Mm. Now, I took the 150 to 1 with five places. I know there's more out there, but that was such an outlying price. I couldn't uh, I couldn't resist that. 100 to 1 generally if you're looking at uh, extended each way places. 150 uh, if you go and bog standard. Ninth of the 40 net, 12th last time out at the Shriners. Um, last time out at the Shriners, he was fourth strokes going off the tee, fifth strokes going tee to green. Um, and as I say, he hits it a long way. He hits it relatively straight for a guy who hits it as far as he does, um, which I think could work really quite nicely. Here. One on the Corn Ferry Tour back in the summer, I think he's the kind of player that could step up to be a PGA Tour winner. Um, sooner rather than later and at the price I couldn't resist that must say Davis Thompson Davis Thompson 12th for ball striking 54th for driving distance all drives and 22nd for greens in regulation so far this season Hmm. so yeah that that follows the narrative perfectly I think he fits he does so yeah that's the, that, the only only other one than uh, other than Sep that I've plucked out so far. What about you, Baron? Are you still doing your homework? I'm trying not to get. I, I think that the more elite players will come to the top of the leaderboard this week. I mean, it's a breath of fresh air in terms of the way the course is set up versus the the copy paste that uh, they seem to have week on week. So well said. It makes it very. Um, it just makes it more interesting and more engaging straight away because you know you're not just on this watching the same thing on repeat just at a different location. So when it, when it comes to courses like toughening up and getting a bit firmer, there's a lot of patience and mental fortitude that mm. feels like that sort of those skill sets are built by playing a few majors in your career and uh, having experience at that. So that kind of matches up with guys who seem a bit more elite um, and that brings them down to the shorter prices. So um, as much as I love going to chase after a long price, uh, my eyes were drawn to Denny McCarthy. Came in those firms, didn't he? Top five on our predictor model. Yep. Yeah, can handle it. So, I mean, I just, the the guy... US Open, was he? Played really well this year. Yeah, he hits the ball so so well. He's like, as Minwoo Lee says, he's a flush flusher. 
Um, and his two his two outings here have been thirty eighth and eleventh last year, sixth a couple of weeks ago. It just uh, it all kind of matched up quite nicely. Um, thirty, I say love longer than thirty three to one, but I uh, I'm there. I'm on him. I'll throw one big name out there, a big price. I'm currently seeing him on the bet three six five. Um, Bear with me. I'm looking at the wrong thing. It's good podcasting. This. Ryan Palmer, 160 to 1. Eight places each way with Bet365 by their each way extra facility. Ryan Palmer, the sort, won't win, doesn't win. Brilliant in Texas. Great on long golf courses. I can remember him contending at Torrey Pines. Can grind. Mm. And he was kind of fringy playing nicely at the CJ Cup last time. Again, on a golf course that was long and slightly releasing in terms of its greens. So I, th- I might put sort of a couple of pound each way on Ryan Palmer. He's the sort that will just pop up and he does play well in his home state. Right, Joel Damon. I mentioned him towards the top of the podcast. I'm all over Joel Damon this week. Kind of... Kind of going down the route that Barry has there with Denny McCarthy. Damon gets things done slightly differently, but he was in the top 10 at the US Open. He was the 36-hole leader mm-hmm. at the country, uh, the at Brookline Country Club a few, in uh, June. And he's just flushing it. Absolutely flushing it. Now, I managed to get on Joel, I think it was 40, 50 to 1. Yep. That's a mad price. That's a crazy price. When I managed to get 50 to 1 with Bet Fred, eight places each way, he was 28 to 1 with Skybet, eight places each way. So that's huge differential. I doubt if that 50 to 1's right there now with Bet Fred. Um, But you just look at Damon, he can grind. He's got results at courses I like Torrey Pines, Riviera, a fifth, fifth at Bay Hill. And as I said, he's got that US, uh, second at Quail Hollow, which can play firm, fiery, and potent really, really long. So, yeah. He's also led at points at Copperhead, Quail Hollow, TPC, Potomac. These are tough golf courses. So, yeah, Joel Dame. His win, actually, the one win he has had at the 2021 Corrales, came at 12 under par. Yeah. So this is you know these just feelings you get players that can hang around when par is a good score. So fifty to one, Joel Damon, I'm on with Bet Fred eight places each way. So so far, Seb Strucker at nineties still can't believe that price. Fifty to one, Joel Damon. The one I've taken, the one I had in my mind very very early for this. I'm amazed how well the bloke the bloke is hitting the ball and flushing the ball so far this season. Jason Day. And in this narrative at the moment of players like Russell Henley that haven't won for five and a half years, Jason and Keegan Bradley and Jordan Smith and Mackenzie Hughes, Jason Day would just fit like a hand in a glove. So far this year on the PGA Tour, he's seventh for ball striking. He's in the top 100 for driving, for driving distance all drives. He's not as prestigiously long as he used to be, but he's long enough. He's 26th for driving accuracy. Jason Day, 26th for, J- for driving accuracy. 10th for greens in regulation and his usual 
45th, top 50, elite scrambling game. Yeah. His first ever PJ Tour victory came at the Byron Nelson in Texas. He also won the world match play at, at San Antonio the first time they moved it across. Um, so he likes Texas golf. He's got a top four at Colonial. It doesn't it didn't tend to play? I mean, it didn't really fit with his elite schedule. But now that he's come down a peg or five, Jason Day's coming back to play these these Texas events, and I just think it's we've always said firm agronomy, um, wind. This is when players like Cam Smith, Jason Day, Mark Leishman. Matt Jones in the past, these Australians, Stuart Appleby. Great. You look at Stuart Appleby's record at the Houston Open. It's when they start coming back. Australians love Texas. They just love these more difficult scoring conditions and assignments. So I'm on Jason Day. 33-1 to 1 with Betfred on J-Day. Just hope his back holds out. And at the top end, I just... Scotty Scheffler, no, but... Sam Burns. I'm just going to cover him off 12 to 1, two and a half points each way with Betfred. Eight plays each way with Sam Burns. If there's one guy you just look at this, one guy that at the top that could just spoil it and just be in contention and win it at a very short price, it's Sam Burns. He's long. He wins a hell of a lot. I mean, four-time winner in his past 37 PGO Tour starts. That's a decent win rate. Mm. And I was amazed... You know that rolling five-week um, firm variable on our predictor? Sam Burns has still got um, nine or ten months of PJ Tour events to build that score up, and he's ranking fourth already. Yeah, yeah, enjoys it. So clearly, yeah, he's won at Copperhead twice. You look where he wins, Copperhead. Um, he's won at Colonial it just all fits like a hand in the glove for Sam Burns. Um, so, yeah, I still think with Sam as well, he's in the top 12, 13 in the world and he's, you actually look at Ryder Cup qualification. I know it's early. doesn't appear anywhere in their qualification process. So for him, he, he seems to be one of those very rare players that when he actually tees it up, he's 100% committed. So, yeah, Burns at 12 to 1 for me. Jason Day at 33-1. to 1. Could this be his long-awaited victory since the last time he won on the PGA Tour? Barry, when was the last time Jason Day won on the PGA Tour? I'll throw that one at you. Have a oh guess. Oh, my God. 2017? <laughs> 2018 season? 2018. 2018 Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow. He won at 12 under par. He beat Nick Watney and Aaron Wise by two shots. So Jason Day, Joel Damon, Seb Strucker. Seb Strucker. Seb Strucker. I did have a very, 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 very close look at Aaron Wise, but I just cannot keep backing Aaron Wise at 20 to 1 or 18 Mm. to 1. 14 to 1 with Skybet Aaron Wise. Jeez. Taking no chances. He ticks every book, but every single statistical box you'd want ticked, Aaron Wise. But he's still only won once on the PJ Tour, and yes, it was in Texas. Mm. I think that's us done, isn't it? Indeed, yes. 
It's our last podcast of the year in terms of tips podcast next week. We have the RSM Classic on the PGA Tour. And Paul has got to the end of the DP World Tour season. And it's the DP World Tour Championship from the Earth Course in Dubai. It will be loaded. Mm, Yeah, look forward to that. Rory McIlroy, three to one (laughs) favourite. Yeah. Hope your bets go well, chaps. Yeah, best of luck, boys. You too, boys. Best of luck to the listeners. We'll be back next week. See you soon. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Because it's the golf betting system. The golf betting system is the golf.